0: In this episode of Conversations, I have two guests from Hildebrandt Intermediate School. The first is Principal Lauren Marty, who brings a unique perspective to her position at the head of her campus as she's taught all levels of K through 12 at some point in her career. She's coached volleyball at the high school level and has a bachelor's and master's degree in education. She strongly believes in schools providing stability and positivity to students who might get lost in struggles of life so they can learn at their highest potential. I also welcome Emily Nordhusen, who holds two degrees in education as well, a master's and bachelor's, and who spent eight years in the classroom before moving to her current role as a digital learning specialist on the same campus. She's passionate about language acquisition, literacy, and as you will hear, technology integration. She believes digital tools and strategies being used in the classroom foster student collaboration, independence, and allow our students to take ownership of their learning. In our conversation, we discuss how their campus and teachers have pivoted to the new environment we are finding ourselves in education today. They give real life examples of ways teachers are being flexible and look to the future with optimism. I was so refreshed after talking to these two and was comforted hearing campus educators being so confident in a major time of change. I think you will enjoy this conversation. Let's take a listen now. Hi, Lauren and Emily, and welcome to Climber Stations episode. We're so excited to have you.
1: Hello. Thank you. We're excited to be here.
0: Okay, so we're going to get started with some just some fun information. So each of you will share just one celebration from the district and connection to teaching and learning that you have right now.
1: So, I can definitely celebrate growth on MAP and our MAP scores at Hildebrandt. We compared our growth from middle of year last year to beginning of year this year, and we actually had many students um, attain growth on one or more math tests, and we've recently celebrated them. If you want to look on my Twitter, we posted pictures of our celebration that's themed around the latest game craze called Among Us. And so the kids have really enjoyed celebrating that growth. So that's been very encouraging to see. And for
2: me, that really oh, is I don't know. the same Sorry, I don't know if I interrupted you. For me, that really is the same thing that um, celebrating all the personal and professional growth that teachers and students both have accomplished this year Um, and growth that's still happening Um, this challenging situation has really required our teachers and students to try new things and be brave and so i want to celebrate the incredible learning that is happening on our campus and across the district Um, it's amazing to see how much this situation has allowed um, and supported the student creation discovery and collaboration
0: Okay, so I love both of those. I don't know what this game is among us. So now I'm feeling like I'm out of the loop on the trendy games the kids are
1: playing. Well, we try to stay on. We stay on top of that, you know, at in intermediate school because we we meet them where they are, including <laughs> their online games. <laughs> I mean, you
0: can't celebrate without being trendy. And Emily, I'll have to just say it's been it's been a challenging time, but it has been incredible to see how flexible educators have been during this. Definitely a new time for everyone in education. All right, so let's get into our question. And they're just, we're going to start off intense. So with the first ever school year in a pandemic, obviously, what are the major changes that you guys have seen with instruction and how have your teachers pivoted? Emily, I know you were just alluding to that, but what are some of those major cha- changes and how have your teachers pivoted?
1: I mean, I think the obvious answer here is the integration of the technology, the way it's been integrated to create the two concurrent learning environments. And the teachers have been absolutely outstanding in adjusting to that. You know, you kind of think back six months ago no one used zoom no one knew what that was and now it's very much a platform for learning in every classroom and so it's been a joy to watch the teachers just adapt to the situation and continue to provide students everything they need to meet them where they are with their strengths and with their weaknesses and to actually really take hold of the new learning environment with the integration of full technology so that's been very impressive as far as watching the teachers and just seeing what they've been able to do but i think that's that's the obvious answer to that one and then emily i don't know if you have something to add to that
2: yeah i think um, with the integration of technology teachers have been looking at how to um you know foster that uh, strong class culture and bringing both groups into their classroom and making everyone feel that they are part of the classroom that they're wanted um, that the teachers know who they are and that they are a member of the class so teachers have been using a lot of um, student choice. So, you know, if our students are not engaged, we lose them. So for our students at home and our students in class, teachers are really driving their instruction through their stu- You know, through the students' interests, um, and making sure that students are more aware, um, more now than ever of. What is expected of them and what they're going to learn so that they're more engaged so i think that has really changed that students always knew what they were going to learn is you know teachers have always written on the board the goals but i think now more than ever teachers are having their students kind of take control
1: and ownership of those goals so i love seeing that yeah and i think we spent a lot of time as a campus at the very beginning of this, stressing the importance of relationships, which is something we've always done as a campus and a district. But in this time, it's more important than ever the very of this really conscious effort to get to know the students who were on campus and the students who were online to have the teachers have some strategies to use to be able to build relationships with the online students and really understand where their students were coming from and the different challenges that all the families were facing at the time because everyone was really in a different place um, mentally emotionally when we came back to school and so our teachers did an amazing job of really getting to know their families and students so that they could meet them uh, meet their needs as soon as we came back to school
0: Okay, so I wanna unpack some of those answers that you guys just gave to that question. So Emily, I'll start with you. And when you talk about how teachers are fostering classroom culture with both groups, which is obviously a huge challenge for, I would argue the larger population of our teachers because when most of us were getting our education degrees, we, weren't, we didn't even see this in the future. I know for me especially, you know, being out of school for over a decade, usually. So when you say that they started learning how to foster that culture, can you think of a specific exemplar or highlight that you've seen on campus that would be a good example for our listeners?
2: Yeah. So one of the things is just making sure I think all students' voices are heard. And so one thing specifically here at Hildebrandt that our teachers are really doing is um, using technology to have students be able to collaborate across both groups through online and uh, in person. So one example that's very popular, I mean, in in a, a simple, Tool that teachers are using is really the Schoology discussion boards. That it doesn't really matter where you are in the world that you can contribute and not just see everyone's answer um, or hear or listen if they recorded their answer, but you can then respond. Um, another option is that I have seen here at Hildebrand is using digital tools that are free, such as Classkick. And one thing that's amazing with Classkick is um, students are completing an activity and they can request help from their peers, not just their teachers, yeah. instead of a feature raise their hand and they're waiting on the teacher to reply, anyone in their class is anyone is able to reply and, and provide, they can either check their answers or provide support. And so I think part of building that culture is it isn't just a student-teacher relationship, but it's an entire class relationship that our, our teachers know who our students are, we know their strengths and needs but the students in the class also know their peers, whether they're online or on campus, and they know what their strengths and needs are so we can all support each other.
0: Well, and I would add that it also, it, within that integrated community of assistance and support, you're also empowering leadership skills among those kids because that is not a natural skill for all kids to help other people. And I think that's such a good future skill they're going to use in the workplace as workplaces move to more collaborative environments for them to be able to work with each other to find solutions I think is really powerful and I want to unpack one more thing when you said you're starting to see students take control of goals can you give me an exemplar there or an example specific that you were thinking of when you said that
1: you wanna go ahead? Well, I was gonna say we do um, as a school-wide system, we have student data trackers. And so that's uh, something that we have consistent across the whole campus where they have an electronic data tracker that the teachers use in each class for the students to track their own goals. And that's been something we've been focusing on for a couple of years. And we really um, used it this year in that electronic so that all students could be involved in it. And it's not just tracking district assessments like the QSEs, it's also used for our campus common assessments, we use it for math growth tracking, and so that's become part of our campus culture that we've really been working on for a few years now for the students to be the ones to take ownership of their learning, of their growth, of knowing how to goal set, how to realistically goal set, and how to celebrate their own growth, and that goes back to even like the little things that we do, like celebrating the math growth on the wall where they get to make their own Among Us character to celebrate that they made their growth and met their individualized goals. So we. We've seen a lot of success with that over the past few years. And this year, being in the dual platform, the client online, client on campus, having the electronic form of that has really helped facilitate it across the campus.
0: Okay, so we have listeners from all over the world. And so for those people that might not like see a lot of examples of student data trackers and maybe you want to get that started on their campus or in their classroom. Like, what kind of training did you do for that to be a school-wide initiative where all kids are involved in it and the teachers know how to use it? Like, what, what are they tracking specifically on there? Is it changing every nine weeks or quarter? Like, give me just a little bit more details, like, what that campus-wide student data tracker looks like and how did you implement it on such a mass
2: scale? So we created... Um a template for our students to use, and it covers all content areas, so it doesn't just cover four areas. Um, and students are then going to put their either state or district testing, which we do during our class periods or intervention. They go in, they find their scores, so they're able to see where they're at. And then, what we do is we also have our personal goals. And so, students are looking at where they need to go and uh, what they need to do to reach those personal
1: goals. Do you want to? add on to that. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, the minimum is really that they look at the campus common assessments, the quarterly assessments, that's the QSEs or like a benchmark assessment, other districts, you know, may call it, and then uh, their map growth. And so other assessments can be added really just at the discretion of the teacher. And as far as the training, when we first started this every single day um, in our built into our schedule. So we use that 45-minute intervention period to have our teachers all introduce it to all the students at the same time. And every student sets a goal based off of one of their early assessments for that year. So if we go back to where it really started and the way we enforce that, like as administrators, is we held a training for the teachers initially. We gave them the PowerPoints to use to show the kids. We gave the template for the data tracker and then we showed them where to find all the data for that first assessment and what example full setting would look like. And then on the day that they were sharing it with the students, the administrative team, the specialists, the counselors, all walked around the building during that intervention period we call it LEAD, is what our intervention period is called. We walked around the classes during LEAD, answering questions, helping troubleshoot, making sure that all the teachers were explaining it. So it really launched in the whole campus when we had that structure put in in the beginning. And then from there, the teachers have autonomy as to how much they use it in the classroom with a minimum standard that they use it for the common assessments. And we do try to
2: keep up with okay. it as well that um, it wasn't just a one lesson that um, when we're creating our our lead lessons, so pacing them out, what we want our teachers to do, um, what supports we can provide. We try to incorporate data tracking um, activities of going back and reflecting quarterly so that students are, it's not something that we give to the students and forget about, um, but it's something that we go back and reflect upon, you know, have we made any growth or, you know, what, what changes need to be made.
0: And talk about being so timely, because if these kids are at home on the online option, as so many kids across the country are, it's really good to be able to keep them focused on the gains they still need to make, because unfortunately, unfortunately, that's just something we can't forget, even though our environment looks different, every kid should be making at least a year's growth, so I think it's really important to point out that that really anchored your campus, I'm sure, while coming into the pandemic. So, it's not like you're having to introduce these student growth trackers at the same time as, hey, everyone, too, you're also going to learn how to teach concurrently. So, I'm sure that was helpful. So, let's move on to our next question. So, what are the benefits of this new way of learning? I think it's really easy right now and it's totally fine because that's what happens sometimes when there's large change and challenge at the same time to focus on all the ways this is so different than what we've done in the past. But I think it's important to focus on, okay, we're going to be in this situation for a while. So what are some of the benefits you guys are seeing on campus to this new way of learning? And in that discussion, like what kind of tools are working for teachers and the concurrent environment? And I just want to point out because not everybody is from Klein who listens to this. Like our district has chosen a structure where Teachers are learning, I'm I'm sorry, teaching students that are physically in the classroom while also teaching students at home that are on Zoom as well. So either one of you could answer, but what are the benefits and what are some of the tools that your teachers are using that are helping them be successful?
1: You know, I think it really kind of forced that relationship building at the very beginning. I think if you really look at the human element of this outside of some of the technical pieces, teachers have really had to make connections with those students and understand what they're feeling and how they're doing and use that to nurture their learning. And so one of the ways we did that at the very beginning of the year was to have the teachers all call their first period roster and just touch base with those families, explain the new way of learning, explain things that were going to be happening, ask them what kind of issues they were having at home. or not having and how they could be of assistance. And that's such a simple thing that most schools do. It's really not um, anything new as far as how to start the year. But I think in this environment, it really built a solid foundation of relationships. And like I said, we've we've always focused on building relationships. We know that that has to happen first. But because of the situation, there's had to be so much more flexibility and understanding and shifting and pivoting and, you know, all all the things um, to make it work for students. And I think that's why our campus has been so successful. And we have had a very positive outcome. And we are seeing student growth because we started with that from the very beginning.
2: I agree. And um, okay, I think and the we'll- relationships were number one on this campus. Um, this is my first year here at Hildebrandt. And um, that is very clear that our, our teachers really do put students first. And this year has had, um, you know, even starting in March, has had so many challenges that teachers are facing with the online and in person concurrent environment. Um, and there's just been a huge learning curve, even for our veteran teachers. Um, However, we have seen classroom teachers working relentlessly not to only close the gap between our online and on campus students, but also um, we have seen a growth in technology skills um, and integration to support learning by both teachers and students um, that I would have never imagined. It's really been incredible. And some of the tools we have seen, um, I know in our sixth grade um, social studies, one of the tools they really do use is Nearpod and having students do student-paced Nearpod lessons as opposed to a teacher-guided lesson has allowed our teachers to then work in small groups, whether it be breakout rooms in Zoom, individual in class, individual or small group through Zoom. Our teachers are using technology integration, not just to present information, but to support all the needs of the students. Um, Another thing I've seen teachers using is using their camera not the teacher's camera, the students using the camera for more than just showing student faces, but really students are able to demonstrate knowledge of a process, not just give an answer to a question. Um, Students are also able to use technology to show their understanding in multiple ways. So it's not just multiple choice tests anymore. Students are really able to demonstrate through different resources and digital tools their understanding of concepts. are using the technology for both on-campus and online
1: learning um, to give students an opportunity to show growth. Yeah, one of the best things about this whole situation is that it has sort of forced the hand, so to speak, of several teachers to try things out of their comfort zone, and then realize how those things have have made them more effective teachers in the sense of reaching students by name strength and need and one thing we discovered which still wasn't shocking but just funny to us is that you know this wasn't that difficult for the students <laughs> as far as picking up the technology you know their lives are so heavily immersed in technology that they show us things a lot of the time and so it's really been about working together and finding those different strategies even just the same things as simple as a breakout room and using breakout rooms in zoom and how to do that safely uh, with security with students and how to get them talking to one another and have the teacher popping in and out of the break rooms and providing small group instruction. Just simple things like that, but that we just had to learn how to do a different way. And that's really, um, like I said, pushed teachers out of their comfort zone and made them much more effective educators. I just saw this past quarter, a
2: CTE teacher, uh, Ms. Redman here, doing a gallery walk, and, and I never would have imagined how to do a gallery walk in a digital way, but she had her students doing a gallery walk um, virtually using Google Slides, so something that the students had collaborated on together um, to do a gallery walk on coding, and so I thought that was really incredible. So I really love seeing how teachers have taken the skills they have um, and showing them in a new way using technology.
0: The highlights are making me physically smile, although we're not all in the same room. I want you to know that that's exciting to hear and to see. I will say, Emily, I want you to dive in a little bit more about what that gallery walk looked like, just in case anyone's ears have perked up like, ooh, how did she right. do that? So normally, when you like? think
2: of a gallery walk, you think of, sorry, our bell's ringing. Um, <laughs> real time, real time. Um <laughs> Or no, even okay. students, you know, they've <laughs> either created a product or they've 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 created something, or they've um, they've answered questions and it's posted around the room, and students are able to physically get up and move and look at the different responses, um, and maybe then add something on so they can do a reflection piece or they're answering questions based on their peers' response. But of course, this isn't possible with COVID that you know, we're really trying, we don't want our students all gathering real close together in the same place. We're trying to socially distance. And then we have kids at home that it would just be unable for them to move around the classroom. And so in a digital sense, what she did is she used a Google slide and she was able to um, have the students all collaborate and put their information within the Google slide and then the students were able to go through the Google slide and do the same activity by putting it into present mode and go through and then through Zoom still have discussions based on what was what they were viewing within the slide. Yeah.
0: Okay. Y'all had a bell going on. I'm outside and there's an airplane flying over
2: so hopefully that's not
0: too loud but thank you for explaining that. I think that's really helpful. Um. What's also helpful is just like hearing the strategies and teachers, then fixing it to whatever, whatever kind of audience they have, whether that's a second grade class or, you know, high school, et cetera. So this is such a minor question, but what do you think will come out of this shift in our world? <laughs> but like, how does personalized learning fit in and like, what should we, in y'all's opinions, be excited about for the future of education? I mean, the good thing about challenge is like, without challenge, there's no growth. And I was reading an article earlier about picture, I think it was from Forbes, you know, how do you picture a screenwriter putting a title on your life from this time frame? And they were saying like with Harry Potter, like without Harry Potter's parents dying, there would be no series. And without the challenges of every Harry Potter series, there wouldn't be growth by Harry Potter. And so to bring it back to kind of the school year, like, what is the arc like where is the growth what are the shifts that we are going to see from this time frame of pure challenge and education and then we can kind of talk about like how maybe that ties to the future of personalized learning and what the face of education so what i would say
1: to this is one thing you always here, working in education, is there's just not enough time. There's not enough time to teach everything that we need to teach, you know, to go through all of the teaks in our case, you know, and you hear that often from teachers. I'll say we really haven't heard that this year, because I think everyone's learned that they have to really slow down. They have to see where the students are, what they know, what they need to know. They have to really focus on the essentials um, and teaching those essential standards. And I think part of this whole experience has made that a a positive change. There's not so much of a, we have to get to this, we have to get this, to this, it's, you know, what do I want my students to be able to learn? What do I want them to know and what's most important? And so I think that that's been a very positive shift in education that we've seen because of this situation.
2: I, I totally agree with that, that, um, okay. that with this shift, um, The shift is definitely in this world is going to affect education i mean it already has i mean the the change is already happening um, and it will continue to happen um our students um are going to be and our teachers really are going to be creating a learning environment that values Um, it's going to foster center conversation and collaboration um, and that's going to be essential for our student success um, especially having our students develop their own problem-solving skills um, I think, uh, here are bells ringing one more time. Um, I think with Schoology, um, <laughs> you know, it, what really comes to mind when, when you said personalized learning, um, and it's what we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, um, educators are going to have to think about how to integrate competency-based progression. Um, students are going to show their mastery in multiple ways, whether they're recording their answer, creating, creating a different product, um, different types of assessments for students to be successful more now than ever. They're going to need to be aware of what they, where they
1: need to be and what their individual goals are. I think it's safe to say we have all mastered flexible learning environment, because who would have thought You know, we'd have to come up with so many different ways to teach, <laughs> and that's really uh, where we are. And now, like Emily said, we've really got to focus on that competency-based progression and making sure that the students are learning what we need them to learn, but also understanding how they are coming from such different places. And I think that that's just more relevant than it ever has been.
2: Yeah, our educators are really, and now and are continuing to go above and beyond to support our students. And we are shifting now more than ever to facilitate a learning environment as opposed to just teaching. That it's not about giving students uh, the information but really creating that environment. I think the best situation, the best outcome is going to be for our students to really take ownership of their learning, which is happening. That's
0: awesome. I'm feeling very energized by this whole conversation. Okay, so let's move into our personal favorite section of our episode as we try to wrap this up. So what is one favorite thing in education right now? I think you have to answer these questions, but just in case there was something outside of the different things that you guys have listed about the highlights of what's happening. Is there anything just like in general in education right now that's been a highlight for you? For me, favorites? I mean, just...
2: Being a digital learning specialist, the integration of technology by teachers to support student growth and enhance their learning um, from what I've seen in the classroom um, at French Elementary and here at the intermediate level um, as teachers using technology really to provide opportunities for a deeper and, and more personalized learning experience. And so I really love seeing that. It really makes me so happy as I you know walk around the school and go into different classrooms. <laughs> um, there are so many teachers using technology to allow students to choose the pace of their learning um, and how they're going to learn. And so it's not a one way, this is how we're going to do it. Students really are given choice. And um, they're kind of being put in a position where they're being told, step up to the plate. and um, and take charge of your own learning. So I love seeing that um,
1: our teachers in Klein are really putting students first. Yeah, and I would say the outcome of personalized learning, the teachers are really starting to see the benefits of it um, because we haven't put in an environment where that has been the best way to reach students. And so just seeing the teachers th- value the different facets of personalized learning and really see how effective that can be with students has been the most rewarding for me.
0: Okay, so what is one favorite thing in general in
1: life right now? Does
0: not have to be- Favorite thing in life
1: right now? Okay, you're gonna laugh at me, but I discovered amazing coffee and so I'm very happy (laughs) It's the seven eleven by our school has the best <laughs> coffee I've ever had from a gas station. so that's been my pick me up for a couple of mornings now. Is that silly? Can you put that on <laughs> online? <laughs> I love that.
0: i I can link that if you want me to. And for listeners that don't know Lauren, she likes a good gas station meal, and so I'm laughing because I'm not shocked <clears> that she's choosing gas station coffee. And that's no knock that's no knock to seven eleven. I just thought you were gonna no, say that. No, the seven like eleven coffee is like the
1: best Starbucks. coffee. And so I've I've enjoyed that. It's you know, kind of giving me a pick me up But things that have been tough. But yes, I do look for good meals inside of a gas station. Don't knock it till you try it, Monica. It's great. It's Good stuff.
0: <laughs> and I'm sure that coffee is probably like twenty three cents or something because I know at Starbucks I'm spending like Five to six dollars a drink see so it actually happened by that chance
1: category. that i was yeah. going to go to starbucks and the line was way too long and so i ended up at 7-eleven and i was very pleasantly surprised
0: yeah exactly there are perks to skirting the system i will say that there is this thing at starbucks called a medicine ball have you heard, I've of, heard of it yes i want to add menu, this in have you heard of this yeah. yet yeah it's off the menu and if you get sick this winter which i hope all of you don't you can go by Starbucks and it's basically like a hug and a Jolly Rancher and comfort food all mixed together in one drink. And it like clears up your sinuses. You literally feel better. You drink it Buy a venti. And all you got to do is drive up and say, I want a medicine ball. OK, I got off topic. Emily, well, mine is what's your favorite thing? In life a little right bit
2: now? different. Um, I think, you know, I'm I'm expecting a baby girl in December. <laughs> and so um, and I have a son. So this is a big change for me. And um, our current Vice President-elect, Kamala Harris, is a woman. And I just love the message being sent to all women and girls right now in our nation that they can do anything they set their hearts to. I think of all the female students, all the girls that I've ever had um, and taught in my career um, and have known and that um, the message is now being sent, that they can do anything. They can even become president. And so that makes me that really just brings joy to me.
1: Hers was much more profound, and mine
2: was about 7
0: <laughs> I, <love that. laughs> I, I mean, I jumped on with the medicine ball, so um, you win that one, Emily. Okay, it's not a competition. Okay, so last question, a favorite book that you wanted to share, and I know that's hard to pick for educators, but it doesn't have to be your all-time babe. just like a well, fave that have, you want to so With my
2: two-year-old son, we do read picture books every night, and... Um, Our most recent favorite is a book called Those Shoes by Maribeth Belts. And I just love that book. Um, It's great for this time of year. Um, It shows diversity in family structures, different financial situations um, for students and in schools and um, just the importance of character and friendship. And so I would definitely recommend um, it is a children's book um, probably geared to kindergarten to third grade, but I would recommend it for anyone who any reader who's looking for um, a sweet book that teaches the importance of life lessons of humility and gratitude in in a very natural manner. So I love it.
0: It's it's funny you brought that book up because my twin sister was, a kindergarten teacher for eight years and she literally just sent me the link on an email because there's a YouTube video so I'll link it in the show notes for people and she's like I cry when I read this <laughs> you've got to read it so I'm so glad you brought that up I'll, okay, I'll link okay. It the well so what I'm doing All right, right now I have to
1: preface this as to why because I, I don't know why I just think people people will laugh at me I know you will laugh at me because you, you know my personality <laughs> Monica so um so one of the things I've really been trying to do just as a person <laughs> is to focus on like overall health and wellness you know I was a volleyball player and a volleyball coach for a very long time before I became an administrator. And that was really my first degree was in kinesiology. So that's kind of my first love um, is health and fitness. And I've really gotten away from that in some of the stress of the day to day during the pandemic and everything else. And so I wanted to refocus on that in my life. And so um, anyway, I was watching this series on Netflix, Down to Earth, if you've heard of this. And so the two hosts of that are actually um, gentleman named Darren Olin and then Zach Efron. So it really, it speaks to a couple of age brackets there. And so um, it's really a cool series. that's about like the way food and water and farming are produced in different parts of the world. And so it's just a very interesting um, series that talks about overall health and wellness and just how different parts of the world um, keep their health and why and so then the book that one of the hosts darren olin authored is called super life and so he talked about it in that series so i ordered it on amazon and i've been reading that and it's been a really fun read because it really kind of takes me back to that original hobby of, of health and wellness and it's all about just making mindful choices to live in a healthy way both with nutrition and water and spirituality and all those things so that's been my hobby read uh, for the time being
0: <laughs> I'm here for it. I don't know if you know this about me. Lauren, I don't know if you See, know this about why we're me, but I have a master's in friends. kinesiology. So we're, say kindred, kindred hearts. Well, you guys, thank you so much for your time. I just, like I said earlier, I feel energized by our conversation, your positive perspective on just a hairy situation that we've been in way too long now, and really your sunny future outlooks. Have made me smile during our conversation, so thank you for all that both of you are doing on campuses. Um, we just so it's just so refreshing to hear the other side of the of the pandemic coin because it's very easy to get sucked into the grayness of it all, and I feel like you guys really highlighted the sunnier parts of it. So thanks thank for coming for on us. our yes, thank you so much. Today. Bye. Teachers are using technology in new ways more than ever. That's no secret, but I am encouraged to hear that this new way of learning has fostered even more focus on getting to know students and giving them a voice in their learning processes. The collaboration across modalities for students to use their voices in new ways is going to enhance learning and teaching even more. I've always been proud to be an educator and proud of fellow educators because we are a resilient bunch but to watch teachers on campus doing whatever it takes to make learning happen during a pandemic is even more inspiring than I knew possible. To all our listeners who are educators, I wanna say thank you. Thank you for showing up each day trying to do what's best for kids. Thank you for teaching through a pandemic that probably has caused you stress in your personal life in one way or another. Thank you for spending even more of your already limited time planning lessons for this new format of teaching. Thank you for your commitment to the future of our country by pouring into the kids of today. You are seen and so appreciated. Until next time, here's to taking our learning and transforming the world.